Hello, welcome back to Wise Witch of Elmas. I'm your host, Carly Ketron. I'm so excited to share this episode with you all today. I've interviewed Isabella De Credico, who I was connected with at the California School of Herbal Studies. She was in the program, the Roots program, the year before that I was. And when I was in the Roots program, she was the garden assistant, which is the position that I took over the second year that I was there. So I got to spend time with her in the garden. And then she was also our teacher's assistant for my class. And so I've gotten to know her on an intimate level, but really wanted to have her on the show because she is working it. Like she is an herbalist that has so many hats and... I just feel like sometimes as herbalists, we don't really know what our options are. You know, like I think so many people go into it and think that one of the only ways that they can make a living is through a product line. And although she she does have a product line, which I'm really excited to, to share with you all and to have asked her about just because of the lens that she approached it through, which was so artisanal. But she also is, you know, doing so many different things. She's working at the California School of Herbal Studies as an educator, a teacher's assistant, the director's assistant. She's also the lab manager. She's a, um, an herbal practitioner. And she also um, co-operates a farm with her partner where they grow a lot of her herbs that go into her product line. So I just felt like it was such a, a great um, resource to be shared because, yeah, as I said, like, there's just, there's not a ton of direction when you get out of herb school, you really have to be creative and empowered and take ownership of this incredible knowledge that you've obtained and just follow the threads, follow the path that gets laid out for you. And so it's just been fun to witness her and to have her share with us, like what led her to where she is now. And so, yeah, I'm just, I feel like I was so inspired listening to her share her story, and I think that you will be as well. And on top of that, she's just an incredibly lovely human being, and um, if you ever are interested in attending the California School of Herbal Studies, you will more than likely be in contact and participation with her because she's now teaching and also just so involved in the school, so... It's such a pleasure for me to introduce her, to share what she has to offer, and yeah, just all the good stuff. So I'll just do a little introduction for her before we get into the episode, but if you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to share it with your people, rate, subscribe, and review, all those things, you know how it goes. It really helps to spread the knowledge and spread the word and spread the wellness for individuals to have um, be obtainable to them. So 
Isabella's work is infused with her experience throughout life and her lineage, as well as the tools she has learned from both formal and informal education. She holds a BA in communication when, with an emphasis in ecological and educational gardening from the University of California, Davis. She's completed two years of training at the California School of Herbal Studies, where she also apprenticed in the garden during her time as a student. Isabella has also taken workshops in meditation, anti-racism and herbalism, traditional Chinese medicine, elemental intuition, foundations of herbalism, or excuse me, foundations of rituals and alchemy. She's forever a student of the magical, ancestral, and scientific world of herbs. She is a clinical herbalist and medicine maker. She teaches at Pharmacopoeia in Santa Rosa, California, and for the California School of Herbal Studies in Forestville, California. She is a co-organizer for the local mutual aid collective, North Bay Solidarity, and is in the process of starting a vegetable and medicinal herb farm with her partner in the Alexander Valley. You can find more of her work on dusktodawnbotanicals.com, where you will also find her apothecary line, or on Instagram at dusktodawnbotanicals. I hope you enjoy this beautiful interview with Isabella. Hello, Isabella. Welcome to my show. Thank you so much for taking the opportunity to join me today. I'm taking me up on the opportunity. I'm so excited because for one, I just adore you. And for two, I just feel like you are embodying this incredible like plethora of opportunity that presents itself in the herbal world and being an herbalist and so I'm excited to um, have this conversation with you and have you pick your pick your brain a little bit I'm stumbling over my words as I settle into the space but um, the flow will come through Um, but yeah thank you thank you for having me I'm so excited to be here and to get to chat with you, especially because I feel like you've been a part of this journey for most of it. You've known me for most of my time in this world. So it's really sweet to get to take some time together. It feels very full circle. Mm, yeah, I've been a witness to your evolution and it definitely is a pleasure because you are, uh, you're just mm, so lovely. <laughs> you're such a lovely human. Yeah. And Yeah, so I would love if we could just start by you sharing what led you to herbalism. And um, if you want to kind of go from there into your educational background and where you are now. Yeah, Um, wow. So herbalism for me was something that was not a linear path. And It wasn't something that I was ever like, this is what I'm going to do. I know I'm going to do it. I think there was things sprinkled in along the way, starting within childhood, but I actually grew up in an incredibly urban environment in Oakland, California. So it wasn't like I grew up surrounded by nature and like playing in the woods or with plants. I like literally lived in the city, um, yeah, we still had a garden and we still like grew our own food. And my mom's family is from Cuba. And so there was still some of that like plant medicine remnants that came through. Um, So again, like sprinkled throughout my life, but it didn't really occur to me until I got into gardening. 
And growing up in such an urban space, there was a certain point when I was like 19 or 20, where I just was over being in this city. I then moved to LA and just felt like I was not having access to nature and was feeling more called to it and just more curious about it. And so I ended up moving to Topanga Canyon with a dear friend who was born and raised there. And her and her family really opened up my eyes to like this whole way of living that I had never experienced or seen before. Um, And so that was kind of like the crack in the door. And then from there, it just really evolved from gardening and having my hands in the soil and learning from the ground up, like literally and figuratively of just like, okay, this is ashwagandha. I have no idea what it does, but I know how it grows. I know the bugs that like to eat it that might destroy the plant. So starting to work with it from that angle. And then just with this like sequence of events in my life that unfolded at this one point, I had all of this time and everything that I thought I had planned had been ripped out from under me. And I remember just being like, I have no plans anymore. Like, I don't know what my next step is. Everything I thought I was about to do is no longer happening, which life has like that funny way of doing that when you think you have everything planned out perfectly. And then it's like, nope, actually. And I'd seen California School of Herbal Studies years before and had always kind of played with the idea, but had never actually done it. I didn't think I was ever going to move back to Northern California. Um, and the opportunity just presented itself and the timing worked out really well. And so I applied and when I applied again, like I had all this spaciousness in my life. So I not only applied for the school, but I applied for residency on the land and applied to their garden apprentice program where you get to work in their garden. Um, and also had the opportunity to take on a job at the school being a teacher's assistant on the weekend. So when I moved out here and was accepted and moved out here, I was so immediately immersed in this school and in herbalism. And I still had side hustles of like babysitting and gardening and pulling blackberries and would do other side gigs. But I lived on the property. I was taking classes because I was a teacher's assistant. I was preparing all of the teas and and the activities that the students were going to do that day. So I really had a behind the scenes view into what they were going to be creating when it came to cardiovascular physiology, body system class and therapeutics, or like If they were going to have a medicine making day, it was like, okay, here's all the supplies they need and here's how I need to set it up. And it took my education such into this like other direction of a hands-on experiential learning. Because in class, it was like we had that, but it was also a lot of like, you know, lecture and um, theory and talking about the body And so this avenue gave me this way of like really using my hands and really learning herbalism from a different angle. Um, And since then, I've just been in it. I actually still live on the property. I never left. That was five years ago. I still work for the school. 
and have just worked my way up. So I started as the teacher's assistant for the weekend courses and then went into being the teacher's assistant for the Roots of Herbal program, which is the beginner foundational program, and then also was doing the community herbalist program. I started training in the lab and then eventually took that position over when um, the woman who worked there before me, Colleen, went and moved on into taking her business to the next step. And so now in that five-year span, I now manage the lab. I am the medicine maker for the school and the director's assistant. And I still do TA work for the Roots class. And I've actually just started teaching for Roots this year too. So it's been quite an evolution with this place. And it's not anything I thought it would be when I started herbalism. It's totally been like the unplanned path that I did not foresee coming. And it's been super magical and it keeps life very interesting. Oh my gosh. I did not realize that you started teaching this year that like almost made me feel teary. Congratulations. Thank you. What are you teaching? I did my first class on GERD, which was so fun and so exciting because my first ever client also had GERD. um, And that was something we worked on a lot. So it was you know, it's not the sexiest topic, but it was really sweet for me to just be like, wow, this is a a big first for me in many ways. And then I got to teach about HPV and herpes, which also was really incredible. Um, And then next week I'm doing skin, which is like, you know, my jam. I love the skin. Oh my gosh. So Brian's, Brian is really throwing you in there. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. Congratulations. That is so incredible. That's my dream. And I'm just so happy to see you living that experience because it's, I mean, the school, there's, there's nothing like it. I, when people ask me about my experience there, I, my one response that I can really sum it up with is that it was the most nourishing experience I've ever had in my life and I'm so sensitive that I could just cry about it because it just it really was like I'd never known community like that or like never been so passionate about a subject and to be in a place where everybody's just like on that vibe together and the garden is just you know so beautifully tended and that's where you and I got to first connect was in the garden. And I'm just really feeling the feels because I miss it there so much. But it's just like such a beautiful thing to be able to go back there and visit and to be, for you to be one of the people that I get to see when I go. And I really relate to you in terms of the immersion. Um, and I it's kind of clicking for me how much that can progress somebody in their journey when studying, because like you said, the lectures are long and they're heady and 
sometimes, you know, the middle, the, the way that the school goes is they go from March to November for the roots program. So you're in class for 18 hours a week in the middle of the summer when it's scorching hot and uncomfortable and just like it gets really hard to be focused. And so you like having those opportunities outside of the classroom to really apply and immerse yourself. Like for myself, my first year of school, I was working on the floor um, and in a supplements department and I would learn something in class and then I'd go and somebody would come to me for it the next day. And I'd be like, Oh, I learned about this herb last night, you know? And then like the garden apprenticeship program absolutely gave me something so much more than I would have received in just being in the classroom. So I think there's really something so beautiful to touch on in that if if people are interested in studying is to like find something that you can immerse yourself with outside of the classroom setting. Yeah, I completely agree. And it doesn't, you know, whether that is like, a job that you find or even just supporting friends and family it's a way to practice the skills that you're learning and for me I just found that it really ingrains it in me because I'm just like it learning to me like it I can absorb information but I need it multiple times in multiple different ways for me to be able to be like okay now I really truly understand this and like understand it in a deeper way than just regurgitation, which I think a lot of us are just taught in, you know, school and college and just that sort of educational system is like regurgitation and memorization. And even now working for the school, I see students where they can get worked up because there's quizzes and there's homework and there's not a grading system here, but they have that indoctrinated in them. And I'm, I try to remind them that like, this is for you, you know, like, the homework is for you. It's not for you to stress out about. It's not about the completion of the task. It's like, do you actually understand this information and what are ways that you can engage in multiple different ways with the information so that you understand it and you can embody it and then be able to like bring that back into your community in whatever way that looks. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, just on the homework topic, like I feel like that's something that is a really key piece to that school is that they do want to hold you accountable to what you're signing up for because you're only there for a limited amount of time and it's precious. So it's like, while you're there, just soak it up. And that could be for any educational environment and experience that you go into in this field. It's so important to just really be there as much as you possibly can And to allow yourself to go through the healing that happens. Like I remember I went through an immense healing (laughs) participating in that journey and which made it almost harder sometimes to show up, but it was just all part of the like full bodied experience. Yeah. I feel like so many people come to herbalism because they're looking for answers or looking to empower themselves or looking to heal themselves because they feel failed by the medical system and that isn't to like bash doctors or nurses or anything because it's not about the individuals it's about that system whether it be like troubles with health insurance or like 
the feeling of not being heard or whatever it is like that system doesn't function that great. There's certain times that it can, but for the most part, a lot of people feel like it's failed them. And so they're wanting to take their health and their well-being into their own hands. And again, like we aren't really taught how to take care of ourselves. And so a lot of people come here wanting to learn how to do that. And I, and I can speak for myself too, with this experience. Like I remember my interview with Rebecca, the owner and director of the school. And she was like, what do you see for yourself doing with an herbalism? And I was like, I have no idea. I literally have no idea what I want to do in this field. I have no idea what my path will look like. I just know that I feel really curious and really passionate and really devoted to this right now. And it unfolded in this way that I would have never guessed again. And I think a lot of people experience that they come to it for a reason. And that reason expands as they move through herbalism and as they move through their own healing journey and their own growth. And it's now my fifth year of being at the school and it's really incredible to see the different classes move through and every time on the first day I'm like y'all don't even know what you're in for like this year is going to push you and expand you in ways you didn't even know was possible and it's so much more than school like yes there's academics yes there's like the scientific aspect and there is like all of that is very real and also it's so much bigger than that. And it's really, it's really beautiful experience. Yeah. And I think that that really just (sighs) speaks to the journey of reclaiming something that is meant to empower us that, that was really stripped away. And it's just, it's such a pleasure to be in this realm with the plants and to be in this community and to anybody that is interested, it's just like, just go for it. I, I often have people come to me that are like, I've been doing self-study and, you know, I, um, I like, I feel like I know some things and then we'll get in a conversation and, and there's so much that they've learned and so much that they know they just don't, they haven't embodied it. They haven't like really grounded in with that confidence. And sometimes I'm just like, you've got this, like, just, you know, so much more than, of the people out there right now, like just keep going with it and keep feeling empowered by it. Because I feel like ultimately that's what herbalism is meant for is to empower all of us, whether we are the practitioner or um, somebody that's forming relationship just personally with the plants to to encourage well-being within ourselves. So I would love if we could talk a little bit more about some of these hats that you wear. Um, I feel like what's I'm really feeling drawn to is just hearing um, what it's like for you to be a lab manager and kind of the evolution of that, because I think that's something that um, I would say out of all of the, th- the hats that you wear and the, the different jobs that you do, that's probably one of the ones that's not as common. And um, but it's also like really cool and so expansive and it's just the full immersion of medicine making so I'd love if you would just want to share anything about what you do there and and how that flows and yeah 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 it's really interesting it's funny because I love the work that I do so I work in some capacity almost every day 
uh, just because it's, you know, whether it's reading a book or like making something or communicating with people. And so because I'm so in it, I always forget that like, oh yeah, this isn't the most common of jobs. I'm trying to even like think how many other lab managers I know. And I know of like a couple companies locally specifically, you know, I think of like Taproot Medicine where I know their medicine makers. Um, and I think of like Sid Kern and I know his medicine maker and, but it's a, it's, it's something that's like a little bit more of a smaller scale because most people either own their own businesses and own their business and make their own medicine, or it's like these big cosmetic companies that have these like manufacturing labs and whatnot. And there's this like small narrow in between of some of us who like are lab managers and make medicine for another company or another person. Um, and I feel super lucky in that Rebecca, who owns the school, she has a background in working in a lab and being a medicine maker. So she actually was the medicine maker for Simplers back in the day, pre-Simplers as what it is now, um, mostly in essential oils, and then also ran the lab and was the medicine maker for the school. And there's only ever been three of us at the school. So it was Rebecca um, and Colleen, who was before me, and then myself. And then Gail, too, um, who worked a lot with Rebecca at the same time. So there's this really intimate lineage of us that feels really potent and feels like all of them are mentors in different ways. Um, and running a lab is like, I'm trying to think of like analogy, kind of like maybe it's like running a kitchen or something. I'm not really sure I've worked in the back of kitchens before. So that's like the thing that comes to mind the most, but it's super magical. And also there's like your daily tasks that you do, that you do all the time. So like starting my day and checking my email and, you know, making sure that the lab is clean is a huge, huge priority. And I never really realized how much I would value cleanliness um, and how that would also feel like there's a feeling to cleanliness that feels really good, especially in a lab space where like people are making medicine. You want the like energy of that building and the energy of that space to feel really enhancing of the medicine. And there's things, tasks like doing inventory is something that's really common and inventory, the way that our lab is set up is like, we have a ton of dry herbs. We have a whole apothecary of tinctures and glycerates and oils and hydrosols. And then we make a couple products um, that are for sale to students and kind of community members. Uh, and then there's supplies that people can kind of come and buy as well. Um, so it's a very both interactive space. And then also it's more of like, a space of solitude for me and every day looks different 
and yet there's still this container and I think that's what I love about being in a lab is like walking through that door every morning and the light coming in and just like all of our like fun tools and gadgets and the smell of the plants we have this big wooden herb dryer so there's always fresh herbs in there that are drying and it just always smells incredible and it's like walking in there is one of the most peaceful feelings I experience every day and just getting to touch plant material every day and getting to feel creative in my job even in tasks that maybe like would feel mundane otherwise um there's something for me that feels really meditative and creative about them. And it's a very multifaceted job. There's always things to do in a lab. Like you never, it's kind of like, feels like a house project. Like there's always something to be done, whether it's like making medicine, inventorying, filling orders, ordering supplies, cleaning up after yourself. Um, you know, it's, yeah, it keeps you on your toes. It's so cool. And it's seasonal too, right? It's like you get to work with the same plants every year, but in different capacities, different quantities, different preparations. Um, yeah, thanks for sharing that. That's so cool because, I mean, as somebody that's been there and able to observe, like these are all things that I've, I can acknowledge, but it's, it's different to hear your journey in it and to kind of understand like your intimate relationship with that space. And it's, I just wanted to have that in conversation because I just feel like, like you said, it is not as common um, for individuals to even be needing somebody to have a position or to fill a position like that. Um, Oftentimes they are doing it themselves and then kind of from there um there's the jump that people make like you were saying like with simpler is what it is now like it was bought out by I don't remember who but somebody big and nutraceuticals, nutraceuticals you said yeah and yeah. Mm-hmm. you know places like um Gaia or herb farm like those are such large scale they're working with large machinery it's not really like medicine makers being hired to do a a job to maintain this space and so um yeah thank you for sharing it's so special yeah and I love the piece that you said about the seasonality because you know when you're working with dried plants it can just be like okay here's this dried plant I can get it any time of the year but herbalism and as So I've been in a lab for five years and it's been really interesting to watch it shift even within those five years. Because in the beginning when I started, no one really knew what I was doing. Like it was sounded very like exotic and odd. And now I have people contacting me all the time, like friends from high school or like people I haven't talked to in a long time, curious about what I'm doing or asking how to get, you know, started in herbalism or just feeling more curious about it. And with that also um, more people consuming herbal medicine. And so for the first time, I'm starting to see the dried herb marketplace or like commerce really shifting with demand because they are plants and like 
we are in a changing climate system and climate crisis. And so a lot of things are shifting. And like violet leaf, we haven't been able to get for two years. And it's so interesting to start to watch like the shifts within herbalism. And I can really see the behind the scenes of like, what's a really popular plant right now? What's really hard to get? What is something we need to figure out how we can grow ourselves or make connections with farmers and working with fresh plants is really incredible. And the school actually just started a farm this year. So they're growing on an acre of land just about five minutes away. And that has just been such a game changer for us. And it's been, we have the garden, but the garden is really experiential use for the students. We don't use the garden to cultivate for making medicine for ourselves unless there's like an abundance of something like elecampane, for example. Whereas the farm now we're like, okay, we can really utilize this space to have access to really fresh medicine that we're growing. And then we can offer to the students or we can make for our lab, for our tinctures, our apothecary. And then again, the students get to kind of experience what it's like to garden on a small scale doing herbal medicine versus what it's like to cultivate and really start kind of the farming side of herbalism. Because I think there's this big shift away from wild crafting and much more into cultivation. And it's really amazing to get to like start something from seed and make medicine with that, like that. And it's just like starting something from seed and then eating that food that you make and to create medicine from something that you've grown is such a potent feeling and it's such a feeling of connection and there's something that's very like um primal is the word that's coming to me but it's just like oh I've done this before like ancestrally my bones like I know how to do this and we all do I always say that herbalism is in all of our bones and um it's I love (laughs) the uh, route that you we, we've kind of flowed into with this conversation because I think it's so important to acknowledge that because these are, um, you know, resources that are coming from the planet that are also shifting in terms of like our climate and then also popularity, um, it's kind of cool to have a glimpse into how... Um, establishments are also evolving as this all evolves. Like I remember a few years ago, um, I think when I was in the Roots program and I was talking with Jason, who is um, co-owner of the school, Rebecca's husband. And he had mentioned to me like a conversation that was going on behind the scenes in the staff of like, do we even teach about Shazandra? Like Shazandra is slowly becoming less available or rapidly becoming less available and over harvested and overused and elderberries I know like are so hyped and it's like challenging for anybody to get elderberries at certain points of the year and so having these conversations of like sustainability so how do we be sustainable and one of the best ways is to grow it yourself and if not you find your local farmers that either are growing it or you can encourage them to grow it and also the different alternatives and like 
what what medicine is more sustainable like working with adaptogens Tulsi versus ashwagandha like yes they're working on our body differently and they're offering us something different but Tulsi is an annual like there's different varieties that just produces in such abundance whereas ashwagandha is a root medicine that you're only going to be able to harvest over so many years or after so many years and only get a certain amount. So it's like, these are the conversations that we absolutely need to be having. And it's really cool to, um, like I said, kind of have a, a glimpse through the window of like how places like the California School of Herbal Studies are ushering that evolution and flowing with that evolution because, I mean, it's one of the top schools in the world. And so if somebody like that is doing it, then it really should be a pillar for everybody else to be doing those things as well, even though the school's not so much in the public. Yeah, I completely agree. It's it's such an interesting time for herbalism. And Rebecca and I in the lab, we work really, really closely together. Um, she has become, she's my mentor and also has become a very dear friend. And I mean, even her experience within the past, you know, whatever, 30 years of being immersed in herbalism and running a school and, and just all the connections she has really all over the country, but like in different parts of the world too, through networking, because the herbal community just is so connected to, um, it's really, yeah, it's important conversations to think about sustainability and the overarching culture really teaches us consumption. And something I think about a lot is like, like do I need to take herbs every day? Like if I'm not in an acute situation, do I need to take herbs every day? And I think there's like different ways that we can do it in a sustainable way like in our foods and in daily tea blends and in you know these like more um these more immersed like daily rituals that are just maybe smaller portions whereas I think of something like essential oils which you and I were talking about earlier before we started recording where it's like that it takes so much plant matter to produce essential oils and it's so concentrated and people use it so liberally and there you know there's not the education around that people don't know and certain companies are telling them like yeah throw that in your food start cooking with that you can use that daily where to me I'm like that is a precious oil like I think we forget how precious herbs and plants and spices and aromatics are And so we just use them not really mindfully. There was this like funny meme thing I saw. I think it was a meme on Instagram a little while back. And it was this guy that was saying how like every time he opens his spice cabinet, he feels like the king. And I just put that into perspective of like, oh my God, people haven't always had access to even the spices that we have access to in the quantities that we do. And there's been this like talk behind the scenes about cardamom of just like, whoa, cardamom might be a little tricky to get. And that conversation isn't happening so that people can go out and hoard. It's happening 
so that people can talk about sustainability of being like, okay, then we need to be really mindful. We need to be sharing. We need to be thinking about how much we're consuming this. Yeah, I have noticed that cardamom is very expensive, which means that it's not as accessible. And so it's important to be connecting those dots. And like you just said, like not everybody had access to spices. And at one point in our history, that was one of the most high valuable trading resources was spices. And now here we are and they're just at our fingertips at every moment in all these large quantities. And oh, the essential oil conversation, I feel like it's one that I've been having a lot lately. And um, I think so many herbalists, like people that identify as an herbalist are really moving away from them. Yeah, I think there's, especially because there are these larger companies that are coming in and there is issues with resourcing and it's hard to see, you know, like, deforestation happening because of essential oils but it's not being talked about um or like the way that people who maybe aren't trained in essential oils are offering advice for internal use and it's like that can actually be dangerous you know if someone has certain health conditions or if someone's pregnant and even topically if someone's pregnant like they should be mindful of essential oils that they're putting on their body and the dilution of essential oils and there's such powerful medicine and it's not that the medicine is bad it's that there's like a lack of education and understanding of how to use that and how potent it is and that there's other alternatives that can be used to essential oils and so they don't necessarily have to be used daily because we have all these other things I mean back in the day like in different areas of you know all over the world whatever aromatic plants people had that was something that they either like had as a doormat at their door or they hung in their homes and so they were you know, interacting with it and kind of crunching it up and releasing those volatile oils. And so even simply going out into your garden and just like rubbing your hands and your lavender plant and then like putting your hands to your face and just inhaling that you're going to get the same effects that you would if you were to use lavender essential oil. If you're using it for the aroma, you know, if you're using it for a condition, you can, you know, there's other things like hydrosols or teas other ways of using that where you can still capture the aromatics but essential oils are amazing and potent and there's alternatives that can be used for more daily practices and rituals yeah I actually just had a conversation with another herbalist who was like absolutely no essential oils um so it's it'll be fun to share these different perspectives on them but I think the bottom line is the unsustainability of them and the lack of education and and how people are using them quite irresponsibly, I would say. Um, But I feel like this is a really great segue because as you said, we were talking about this earlier in terms of hydrosols and um, you just launched your new product line. 
So I would love if you wanted to share a little bit about your product line, the um, your vision behind it. And then um, within that, I'm, I am aware and just indulging uh, as liberally as I can in um, some of your hydrosol, which is a new piece of your line as well. So um, yeah, if you wanted to share a little bit about your products and then also if you wouldn't mind um, telling us what hydrosols are, how they're made, why they're such a great alternative to something like an essential oil and other ways to use them as a medicinal application. Yeah. Yeah. So again, like I said, when I started herbalism, I had no idea what it was going to look like. And I really thought that I would be in it more for the like gardening farming. That was my background. Um, and so I kind of saw myself going more that direction of like cultivation or doing like gardening educational series with kids and getting, you know, their hands in the garden. And what I loved about that was the creativity that I felt like I had when I was in the garden. So when I started working in the lab and started making medicine and working with plants daily, it opened my eyes to something within me that I didn't realize existed. And I grew up in a very artistic family and myself never like felt very artistic or creative. I am horrible at drawing. And I always kind of thought that was like the marker for creativity was like, if you can draw, then you're creative and artistic. And being in the lab and making medicine was where I found my art form. And I was like, this is my creativity moving through me. And it's amazing because making medicine, it is very scientific. Like there's chemical constituents and you extract them, you know, with certain different certain methods because of solubility that they have. And so some are more water soluble and some are oil soluble. And so there is that very like heady scientific aspect. But I always say that science, like the more I'm in this world and the more I'm like learning science and diving into chemistry and, you know, chemical constituents and all of that, I'm realizing how, how that's just straight up magic. Like the fact that plants can do what they do and then we've co-evolved so that we can be in partnership with them is so magical and I was just actually in an aromatics course a couple weeks back and we were discussing how when plants moved from water to land they had to find a new way to communicate and that was through scent and so volatile oils and aromatics are a form of communication and there's something so beautiful and mystical and creative and so for me the inspiration behind my line was like scent aroma and color and nothing that was added in but like the plant as it is and when I was in the intermediate program at the school, my final project was on plants and colors. And so I worked with infused oils and I was trying to capture color through the infusion of oils. 
And it was such a fun and illuminating process of just how much plants you can capture of the essence of plants into different mediums. And so the aroma and the color was something that I wanted to share with people of just like, you don't need food dyes. Like we don't need these weird additives because plants have it all. Like they're, they're so, I'm like looking at this plant in front of me as the way the light comes through. And it's just like, if we, we just stop and slow down and notice and observe, you can feel the way that any plant is interacting with you simply by looking at it. Like you don't even have to touch it or smell it. And so I wanted that to be embodied in my product where it's like, it's something that you see and you're just like moved by it. And so everything is in clear frosted bottles because I wanted it to be something that could just like be on your altar place or, you know, like I think there's so many times I'm like, oh, I should be taking this tincture or I should be making my daily tea and I'm just too busy to forget. And then my product because of the color of the plant will catch my eye and then I'm just paused for a moment just like oh yes like this is something I should be engaging with today so I wanted to create a different relationship that was really I've been trying to reclaim beauty for myself and what beauty means to me and have been reading a lot more of John O'Donohue and that's been a big inspiration of the product line is beauty and ritual and really connection to self um and a lot of the products you know it's a small line right now because there's a lot of intention into what I make and a lot of it is inspired by connections to myself and what I'm inspired by and the hydrosols is something that I've always been so fascinated by and did feel a little inaccessible because you know you do in theory, need a still to do it, but but you can totally do a stovetop distillation. And there's a lot more information out now of ways to do that than I think five years ago when I was feeling really inspired and curious about it. Um, But basically, when you take a plant to do a distillation process, so we can say helichrysum, that's the that's the plant that Carly has. So the helichrysum, the essential oil of helichrysum is so precious and so expensive because it, it the, you have to use a lot of plant material to get two mils of helichrysum essential oil. So it's the exact same process that you would do a distillation. Steam distillation is what I do. Um, there are other forms of extracting essential oils, but so steam distillation and you get essential oil but then you also get this water portion and that part isn't talked about a lot and that's hydrosol and that's literally the water of the plant and what happens is there's this basically like a pot that's filled with water and then there's a column with plant material in it And then that has a lid that then connects to what we call a cooling system. So there's heat under that pot of water and that heat is bringing up steam through the plant 
you know, opening cell walls and extracting certain constituents and then especially aromatics. And that steam is then coming up through the top and meeting this cooling system where cold water meets it. So then it's turning that steam back into liquid and what comes out is hydrosol and essential oil. So they come out together at the same time. They're just different parts of the plant. And then because essential oil is heavier, it sits on top. And so all the hydrosol is down below and then you have the essential oil on top and then you separate it out. And that's the process of a steam distillation of essential oil and hydrosol. And so I have a smaller still right now. It's a five gallon. And if I'm doing, I can fit about three pounds of plant material in there depending on the plant. And I'll get about three gallons of hydrosol. So it's about a one-to-one. When I'm doing three pounds of plant, I'll maybe get 15 mils. So that's about a half ounce of essential oil, depending on the plant. Like lavender, chamomile, those ones both produce pretty high essential oil, but like helichrysum and rose, there's like barely any essential oil. And it's still this really potent medicine. It's just not as concentrated. So it's safe in pregnancy. It's safe for children. It's safe for elderly. It's safe for animals because you separate the essential oil and the hydrosol. Excuse me. But it still has a lot of those properties. And it's something that can be used both topically. It can be used internally. It can be used as a room spray or an aura spray. Right now, a lot of people are not wanting to use smoke medicine. So I live in Sonoma County and a lot of people are sensitive to any like smoke bundles or instances just because it's been really smoky here and the fires it can be really triggering so hydrosol is another way that you can kind of do that aromatic medicine like I just distilled cedar the other day and it's one that I love to just really ground myself at the beginning of the day and in skincare because I really love skin that's like one of my other passions essential oils can burn the skin if they're used straight or if there's improper dilution. Um, Some people are really sensitive to essential oils, whereas hydrosols, they match our skin's pH and they can be so therapeutic for our skin. And I work with skin conditions a lot and it's been amazing to see how hydrosols can be so beneficial for skin conditions. And it's really Like if someone has sensitive skin, I am not using essential oils with them. I'm using hydrosols. I'm not using products that have essential oils. And I'm starting to see a couple skincare companies come out with essential oil free products, which I'm like, I'm stoked on. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, it's really amazing medicine. And one way I like to describe it is like floral water. But I don't think that really captures what it is because it's the water of the plant. And it's not just flowers. You can do leaves and roots and berries and bark. And so it is also multidimensional. And yeah, it's, 
I like wish everyone could just have one right now spritzing themselves so they could just smell how strong the aroma still is. Mm, thank you for that delicious description. I, I mean, I just have a love affair with hydrosols. And it's cool to know that you take the extra step to separate the essential oil um, because that means it can also be used in the eye, which I am going to probably, when we're done with this call, spray some helichrysum in my eyes just because they've been so dry and affected by the smoky weather. And it's one of those nourishing places that we can use medicine or places that need to be nourished by medicine that is a little bit more tricky oftentimes. And so they really are just like this potent yet gentle and safe and it's pure alchemy. It's like one of the ways that we get to connect with our roots of alchemy. And it's so just, yeah, I, I, um, when we were talking about them earlier, before we started recording, we were just kind of discussing how it's such a um, great alternative for people that are really essential oil driven and um, heavy handed with them because they're offering you all of those qualities that you're seeking, but in a way that's so much more safe for our bodies because essential oils are just so strong. Yeah. And I also just, have been thinking about water more you know we were in a drought here in northern california and just there's something that again is just so magical of like this is the water of the plant like this is the life force of this plant and thinking how so many of us are so dehydrated like that's one thing i find a lot in my clients is dehydration and even in myself like i think i'm a pretty good water drinker and also there's days where I just am like wow I have had no water today and so to have something that is the water life force of the plant that we can just hydrate ourselves with whether it be you know on our face or just like around us feeling the mist falling on us it feels really soothing and nourishing because essential oils can be really drying and it's just different. It's like different energetics, same plant, different energetics because different parts of the plant in so many words. I love that reflection. No pun intended. <laughs> um, it's, it's so true. And using yeah, the water of the plant, I don't think I ever really, comprehended it in that way that it's actually you know it's not just taking up the volatile oils um it's taking the water from the plant and and yeah just like encapsulating it and what's so funny to me too to sometimes reflect on is how it was considered byproduct for a long time and it was just thrown out yep yeah and because it produces so much, it's so much more affordable than essential oils too. Like it's something that is abundant. Like there's certain plants, like you were speaking to Tulsi, where it's like 
Tulsi to me is a plant of abundance because it just keeps giving and giving and giving. And that's how hydrosols feel too. It's like the amount that I can get when I distill is so much more than I could get from essential oils. And I mean, you should see my, my house right now is like jars and jars and jars of hydrosol. And it's incredible. And it's like, it's a dream come true because I love hydrosols and one of our teachers at the school, Trinity, was the one who really planted the seed of hydrosols. And it's just another thing that feels like abundance to me when I'm working with it, when I'm distilling, when I'm like offering it as medicine. It's something that just feels in abundant, which is, I think there's a lot of feelings of scarcity right now. And so to have something like that, I think that comes through in the medicine as well. Yeah. So just such a lovely um, seed, I feel like, to have planted for individuals out there that are feeling that scarcity and can tap in to abundance through plant medicine and hydrosols being one of those ways, especially in terms of the water conversation here in California with... The water scarcity, but there's still abundance out there. Like the water's just being stored in other places right now. Um, also, I just wanted to say thank you so much for sharing about your product line. I didn't realize in asking you that question, um, the really like creative and um, specific visionary process that you have gone through in making these these concoctions I love um I love the conversation around color as well I think it's like some there's I feel like there's almost nothing more rewarding even though that's kind of hard to say in terms of plant medicine and making being a medicine maker but when you get like that bright orange calendula oil or the deep red St. John's wort oil and tincture it's just part of that pleasure process um working with our senses the um uh cephalic experience and um it makes me think about how sarah your um prior housemate when we were in the uh intermediate course together she did a oil infusion of of, um, hibiscus and I found it to be so fascinating how she relayed to us that the color is not oil soluble. And if you put that plant in water, it's going to start turning within moments, <laughs> right, deep red, pink, magenta, but in oil, the color doesn't come out. So just using these different mediums and, and really like playing with the plants in, an, in another way, I'm so fascinated by um, botanical dyeing and I'm a big fan of the dogwood dyer on Instagram and just following her journey of color extraction the way that she puts indigo in her children's hair and you know like obviously is dyeing fibers and fabrics but also making watercolors like there's just it's just such an expansive medium 
to be artistic with. And so I love the way that you were able to tap back into that for yourself and how you felt inspired to share it with others. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And it it's interesting because that's the inspiration behind medicine making and the product line, but really a lot of these things I just was making for myself and then would have people be like, what are you using? What are you taking? I'd like, ah, well, I can't, I just make everything myself. I, I don't really buy many things. One, because like plastic, like I don't like to consume very much because a lot of stuff is in plastic and two, it's just more fun for me and I can tailor it to myself. And then had a nudge from some friends and teachers of like, you should put this out there. Like, I think people would enjoy your offering and there's a lot of passion and intention that goes behind it. And I see the product line expanding. And also I'm like trying to be a business owner and, you know, have a product line in a different way than the like societal standards. Like I catch myself falling into that sometime of like work, work, work. And I'm like, I need to rest. And I, you know, want people to understand that this stuff is seasonal. So that might sell out like hydrosols might sell out because I'm going to be doing it sustainable and it's a seasonal plant that I'm distilling and I'm distilling fresh. And so when it's out, it's out and I'm not going to over harvest and most of it's cultivation, like cedar is from a tree on the property that I live on and abundance, but like, I'm still going to harvest with reverence and respect and that aspect of seasonality and doing business in a slower pace than we're used to than like new things coming out all of the time and kind of that like fast fashion model I see happening in herbalism a little bit and it makes me sad and like a little wary to support those companies because I'm like that's not sustainable for you or for like the plants and our ecosystem. I'm so happy that you brought that into conversation. That's something that I've always been really passionate about myself. And um, I am not a product maker. I've come to that conclusion so many times, but sometimes I will get this thread of inspiration because of the seasonal abundance that I've cultivated and processed. And for me, it's like, okay, I'm just going to create something like unique and seasonal. And when it's out, it's out. I'm probably not going to make it again. People will be like, Hey, right. When are you going to make this again? I'm like, I'm probably not, <laughs> but if you want, I can do something custom for you. Uh, that's either the same recipe or similar, just because to me, that's what feels the most sustainable. And I don't have that drive to create a, pro- a standard product line. Um, that's more like uh, revolving door style, you know, where it's just like, okay, in and out, in and out, in and out. It's for me, I really resonate with that seasonality aspect of it as well. So I'm so excited to hear that you're bringing that forth into what you're creating and offering. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's, I mean, I think again, 
that's a piece of herbalism is a lot of us want to slow down. Like a lot of people are so tired and want to slow down and want to reconnect to the land and to nature and to loved ones and to themselves. And our culture makes it really hard to do that. And plants are something that can continuously bring us back to that and we can work with plants in so many different ways like this path is so wide and so open and so expansive and there's room for everyone and it could be just in a very personal way of like my daily tea or using plants when I cook or like the oils that I put on my body or it could be in the work that you do and it's been really interesting to be a part of the school and watch you know there's 27 25 to 27 people in a class and watching over the years the different classes move through and see what they do with their herbal path and some people come and they gain knowledge and then they just bring it into their home and with their families or with their communities others go into gardening and farming Others go into plant dyes or product lines or writing, you know, whether it be zines or um, being a contributing writer for another herbal company or doing podcasts or working in labs. I mean, it goes on and on. And like recently we had um, this person who is doing botanical drawings for a book and that's the way they're connecting to plants and it's so endless, the opportunities to connect with plants and what that relationship can bring to our lives. And it can be your life's purpose and your path. And it can also just be a daily intimate moment with yourself and with nature. I love that you brought that up. It makes me also think of Miss Adrienne, who took her herbal route into being an epic tattoo artist (laughs) I can't wait to be able to be adorned on my body by her because she knows because she studied herbalism I'm like I can tell you what I want and you're gonna you're gonna help me achieve that vision it's just yeah there's all these different aspects to it and so yeah thank you so much for having this conversation with me and for helping me create this lens of expansion in what there is to be offered in this journey of herbalism, because I feel like um, sometimes people are like, well, what am I supposed, like, what am I supposed to do with it? How, (laughs) how do I be an herbalist? And it's just, it's limitless. And it's, it's a place for us to just be abundantly creative and to really tap in with source energy and our highest potential and using the medium of plants however it is that they want to move through us um and would you mind just sharing um where people can find you and your products and um, any other offerings that you may have yes thank you for that I just I love how you how you ended that it was really beautiful I'm so grateful to be here and to be in conversation with you and people can find me at 
Desk to Dawn Botanicals on Instagram and on my website, desktodawnbotanicals.com. Um, my personal Instagram, I'm like navigating how I feel about that. I do have like more of my teaching stuff on there. Um, and it's interesting. I mean, that's a whole other, I go back and forth whether I want a personal Instagram or not, but mostly on my desk to dawn is where I post my herbal stuff and my herbal offerings. And I am actually going to be doing it for folks that are local to Sonoma County. Um, I'm going to be teaching an infused oil class on October 2nd, I believe, in collaboration with Pharmacopoeia a local apothecary. So that's an event coming up. And yeah, I'm excited to connect with folks. And if people have questions, feel free to reach out. And I'd love to be in conversation. Lovely. Thank you so much. Mm, it's been such a pleasure and I'm looking forward to continuing to witness you in this journey and to be able to share this lovely conversation that we've had with with all these budding herbalists out there and even seasoned herbalists because it's refreshing um yeah thank you thank you so much for tuning into the wise witch wellness podcast I hope you enjoyed this episode if you or anyone you know is interested in being a guest on this show, please email me with an inquiry at wisewitch at wisewitch.com. This show is listener supported and is able to keep running with the support of all of our wonderful patrons. If you are interested in supporting this show, head over to patreon.com slash thewisewitch and sign on to become a member. Each month I offer PDFs and content to further your foundational herbal knowledge, and I truly love creating each offering. This is available starting at just $3 per month. You can also make a one-time donation via Venmo or PayPal. And to find these links, visit www.wisewitch.com podcast, where you will also find episode information, recipes, and sources. The opening song, Whispers, is written and performed by Alenario, and each episode is made beautiful for your ears by Jordan Newhart. And the disclaimer, the Wise Witch Wellness Podcast is for educational purposes only. The hosts and guests of this podcast series are not medical professionals unless stated otherwise. There are currently no official certifications for herbalists in the U.S. The information that is offered is not meant to treat, diagnose, or cure any disease, nor are there any medical claims being made. It is meant for you to take into your own experience, and it is encouraged that you continue your research in alternative spaces. I am simply one person offering experiential knowledge and research where it is applicable. If you are pregnant, breastfeeding, or on prescription medication, consult your healthcare practitioner before consuming any of these herbs.